It's a chilly one out there today, but it is a great Monday morning. I'm Adam Wright. It's 7 a.m. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. A good morning to all of you and a happy Monday. It's October 17th already. So when my wife said it's going to be cold out there today, I thought, really? And then I realized it's October 17th. It's supposed to start getting cold. Let's begin our day in prayer as we always do in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I know it was a long one for me, but a beautiful one. I was able to spend most of my day Saturday at the 47th Annual Respect Life Convention here in St. Louis. We had some wonderful speakers. We had Holy Mass. It was just a beautiful day. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet with all of the presenters and uh, just some powerful, powerful testimonies, but also highlighting the need for a lot of prayer. We still have a lot of praying to do as uh, our Archbishop says the work continues as we move forward in this world after the Dobbs decision. So pray for the mothers, pray for the babies, pray for the fathers, pray for all involved that they would choose life and pray that we could continue to deploy the resources needed to support the, the lives of the unborn and to support the mothers facing such decisions um, that they would choose life, but that we'd be there with what they need, what they need to do so. We have a lot for you on the show today. We want to start this morning. Um, well, let's see. What are we starting with? John Martinoni's back with us. It's Martinoni Monday. How could I forget John? We're going to be talking. Last week, we were talking about building disciplines. Uh, one of the disciplines we want to build is the ability to break vices. So this week, uh, rather than talking about how to build a discipline, we're going to talk about how to get out of a bad habit, how to break a vice with Doug Berry. And then at the end of the hour, we're going to be talking with Aaron Falbo and Steve Priest from the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. If you were at the Father Mike Schmitz event in St. Louis a few weeks ago, you know Steve Priest. He was our MC that day. Uh, wonderful, wonderful missionaries working some great work with Focus, and I look forward to speaking with them. Plus, we've got the Catechiz, the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and the weather with the Saint of the Day. Speaking of which, let's find out how cold it's going to be today and if it will warm up or not and who our Saint of the Day is. We turn now to Mike Roberts. This is the feast day of Blessed Peter Cassini and St. Ignatius of Antioch, Bishop and Martyr. Born in first century Syria, Ignatius converted to Christianity at a young age. In time, he became the Bishop of Antioch, but during the brutal reign of Roman Emperor Trajan, he was arrested and sent to Rome to be condemned. His journey was a long and difficult one. In his own writing, he says, From Syria, even to Rome, I fight with wild beasts by land and sea, by night and by day, being bound amidst ten leopards, even a company of soldiers who only grow worse when they are treated kindly. 
In fact, Ignatius wrote quite a bit on this long journey, sending seven letters. Five were to churches in Asia Minor, employing them to stay faithful and warning against rapidly spreading heresies. The sixth was to St. Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, who was later martyred himself. And the final letter went to the Christians in Rome, asking them not to try and stop his murder. The only thing I ask of you is to allow me to offer the libation of my blood to God. I am the wheat of the Lord. May I be ground by the teeth of the beasts to become the immaculate bread of Christ. Ignatius was killed by lions in the Circus Maximus at the age of 73 on July 6th, 108. St. Ignatius of Antioch, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. When we wrapped up our conversation with John Martinoni last week about religious truth, we were talking about that great principle of non-contradiction, and I mentioned I was going to share a story about the first time I encountered it. And John, it was not in philosophy class. In fact, it was actually in a math class where our teacher said, here's your work for the week. One problem, you can work in your groups of three prove that there are an infinite number of prime numbers. Now, don't ask me to show the work today. I don't remember <laughs> it. But I do remember this. There was no way to prove that there was an infinite number of prime numbers, but we found a formula that actually disproves that there are a finite number of prime numbers. So if we can disprove that there are a finite number, well, the principle of non-contradiction would seem to suggest that there must be an infinite number of prime numbers. Right. Absolutely. You're the first person I've ever heard mention using the principle of non-contradiction in a math class, but it's very apropos. It, it, it holds across the board, no matter what subject you're talking about. You know, this, this whole series on truth, getting into specifically mathematical truth or sci and or scientific truth, that's where I, I also like to make analogies between math and religion. And, and people say, well, there's no such thing as an absolute truth. And I go, what's two plus two equal? Four? Is that absolute? Well, uh, yeah, okay, there's absolute mathematical. Well, if there's absolute truth in mathematics, then we can speculate there's absolute truth in religion. And let, let's go further with this. And that's how I get into the conversations, but mathematical truth. People say there's no absolute truth, and if they hold to it, then there has to be no mathematical absolute truth or scientific absolute truth. So what I tell them, I say, look, let's say you're, you're driving with your family, you, you know, uh, your, your spouse and your three kids in your car, and you come to a bridge, and there's a sign that says, this bridge was constructed by such and such engineer who believes in the new way. And you're curious, you're like, what is that? So you get out and you read the sign. It says, Engineer Jim Smith, who constructed this bridge, believes 2 plus 2 equals 5. He feels it deeply in his heart. He also believes that Plato is as strong as concrete. He feels this deeply, deeply in his heart. So Plato is one of his prime construction materials. Are you going to cross that bridge? I'm, uh, I'm thinking no, John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No way you're crossing that bridge, because the engineer, he feels like, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Plato is as strong as, as concrete. He feels it deeply, Adam, in his heart. He knows it in his heart of hearts. That doesn't make it true. 
so there is truth across the board, religious, moral, philosophical, scientific, mathematic truth. There is truth in all of these areas, Adam. John, I can't help but think of this uh, recent Internet sensation I've seen where someone posts a math problem on their social media that involves the order of operations. And not to take it back to math class with Adam Wright, but I remember one time I, in class I got the order of operations wrong, and my teacher said, well, I can see how you got to the answer that you got to, and if that was the correct method, this would be the correct answer. However, it's the wrong answer because you took the wrong method. There's a way we do things in mathematics, and that's how we have to do things. So no points for you. Two plus two does equal four, and we have the order of operations. Yeah. I am uh, glad we've gotten to talk about this today. Absolutely, Adam. Absolutely. We're going to wrap up with John next week talking about science and truth. You'll just have to tune in for that. Until then, more Roadmap to Heaven to come after this. Prayer for Vocations God, our Father, who wills that all men be saved, and come to the knowledge of your truth, we beg you to send laborers into your harvest and grant them grace to speak your word with all boldness so that your word may spread and be glorified and all nations may know you, the only God, and him whom you have sent, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Americas and Mary, Mother of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, Pray for us. Catechiz question for you today. We all know that during the Eucharistic prayer, at the moment of the epiclesis, and, and really through the institution narrative, what was bread, what was wine that we brought forth in the offertory procession becomes the sacramental presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a term for what happens and do you know what that term is? What do we call it when the, the bread and wine are consecrated and become the body, blood, soul, and divinity, divinity of our Lord? Transubstantiation, that's the word we're looking for. That's a good one to have in your Catholic vocabulary. It's one we need to be able to uh, have at the ready when we talk about our Eucharistic faith. Now, this past Sunday was another great opportunity to talk about accidents with the kids. You know, that while the bread, the wine, the host is, is consecrated and becomes our Lord, they still, you know, the accidental properties are still retained. So who is it? It's Jesus present in that sacred host. Why does the sacred host still taste like bread? Well, that's the accident. You know, it, it takes eyes of faith to see this. And it was funny because our daughter, we, we went to mass at a neighboring parish uh, because I accidentally slept through our alarm Sunday morning. And she said, Dad, the host tastes different here. And I said, yes, it does. They get their hosts from a different bakery. And she said, you can do that. I said, as long as it meets the properties necessary to be valid matter. And she said, what's that mean? And that started a whole conversation about valid matter, that we can't just go take any piece of bread. You know, if we had a leftover cinnamon roll, that would not work for mass. We have to have unleavened bread. There are certain properties about it. And then through the invocation of the Holy Spirit and the epiclesis, through the institution narrative, the sacrifice offered on Calvary, Father prays the prayer of consecration, and our Lord becomes sacramentally present, body, blood, soul, and divinity on our altars. We receive him, 
And it's, uh, you know, another beautiful thing that happened this weekend is before we were going into Mass, uh, because we were going to a different parish, one we have very uh, sporadically go to because, you know, we go to our parish. One of our daughters looked at me and said, Dad, do they have confession before Mass here? I'd like to go to confession. And I said, they do, but not before this one. And she said, oh, okay, well, can I go to confession another time? Which is a good reminder. I, I said to her, well, do you have anything that would be a reason you shouldn't receive Holy Communion? She said, no. And just, it's been a while since I've been to confession. I'd like to make a, a good confession. I don't know how God works through us to get our daughters to this point and our son, but I praise God that he did. And I uh, praise God that they realize that it's no longer bread and wine, but the presence of our Lord. No longer it, but who. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we'll be talking with Doug Barry about breaking out of our vices. And then later on in the show, we're going to talk about the upcoming SEEK conference and what it means to become a missionary disciple. It's a term that perhaps you have heard. We're going to define it. We're going to talk about how to live it with Steve Priest and Aaron Falbo. That's a little later on in the show. Until then, you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, October 17th. Stay tuned for more after this. Active Consecration to St. Joseph. O oh, dearest St. Joseph, I consecrate myself to your honor and give myself to you that you may always be my father, my protector, and my guide in the way of salvation. Obtain for me a greater purity of heart and fervent love of the interior life. After your example, may I do all my actions for the greater glory of God, in union with the divine heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. O blessed St. Joseph, pray for me that I may share in the peace and joy of your holy death. Amen. Last week with Doug Berry, we were talking about building disciplines. And sometimes building a discipline is not about starting a new habit. It's about getting out of a bad habit. Or as we like to say in our Catholic faith, it's about breaking out of vices. You know, we want to grow in virtue and decrease in vice. And so, Doug, I'm happy to be with you today. I think one thing we're going to hear a lot about this week is humility. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like to admit that I get things wrong sometimes. I don't like to say, oh, yeah, you know what? Adam Wright's involved in some stuff that, you know, maybe maybe we don't want to talk about that on Catholic Radio. Maybe he shouldn't be involved in those things. But we have to look for him in our life anyway. Yeah, and there's a lot about you and how bad you've been. So we, not <laughs> we don't have that kind of time today, Doug. We're, on a, we're only an hour-long program. <laughs> no, just joking, my friend. No, but seriously, yeah, the, this whole topic begins with humility. Yeah, humility, it really has to run through this whole thing. You know, we, we find ourselves in a world of hurt at times, and everybody can at different times of their life. You can be the staunchest Catholic. You're going to Mass, you're going to sacraments, you know, you're a confession of Mass, you're praying your rosary, and boom, you find yourself eventually one day in some sort of a mess. How, how did I get here? And when that moment happens, that metanoia, that, that realization that I'm in a swamp, I'm in a mud pit, I'm stuck, this is bad. In all humility, we've got to take that moment, examine the conscience, and we've got to find out where this came from. How in the world did this happen? We've got to have those moments of looking at ourselves, looking in the mirror and realizing, okay, look, whether it's a health issue, okay, you got some health issue going on in your life and you think, okay, I, I, I just, I've got to get this fixed. A doctor comes to you and says, look, if you don't 
If you don't make a change, you've got six months to live. Maybe your heart is about to explode. There's a plaque build up in your arteries, whatever it might be. And these things happen where you have that metanoia moment where maybe it comes from the outside, like a doctor looks at you and says, you got to change your ways or you're not going to be around much longer. It's that serious. Or that comes to you in some other grace-filled moment that God points out to you, you're in a world of hurt. You've got an addiction to drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography. People have addiction to gossip sometimes. They just can't not talk about people. They can't not talk about people's you know, weaknesses and, and misgivings. We come to those moments. It's a moment of grace where God reveals us to us somehow. The mirror is held in front of us. Now we have to examine it. Now we've got to start looking at how we got here and what steps need to be taken. But that moment right there is key. There are so many people who go through these moments. They're caught up in the vice, whether it's addiction or something else, and it destroys them. I can speak from very personal experience on this. My father passed away over 30 years ago from a massive heart attack because he was an alcoholic. We did an intervention on him about eight months before he died. We confronted him. The family was there. Someone from his workplace was there. We had someone there ready to take him to treatment. We had his bags packed. This was 30-day in-house treatment, ready to go out the door. You confront the user. We did it with my dad. Dad, we know you have a problem with this. He looked at us. He was so upset and hurt by this. He was angry at me for initiating this intervention. He got up and walked out of the room saying, I have no problem with this. I can do this on my own. And he walked away. He didn't go into treatment. Eight months later, he was dead. Okay. That's a horrible example of what can happen. If we get find ourselves in a world of hurt, it's presented to us even, and we don't examine it. We don't embrace it in humility and we don't respond to it. It can lead to catastrophic events. So the first thing is you find those moments where that happens. You see this situation. I'm in a vice. I got to get out of this somehow. You got to go deep in humility and examination and figure out where this comes from and work from there. Where this comes from is a really big question because sometimes at the root of a vice might be something completely unexpected. You know, you're thinking, oh, I'm probably struggling with this vice because of X, Y, or Z. And it might not have anything to do with that. It's just the symptom of a deeper issue, a deeper problem. That's something we uh, will hopefully get to talk a little bit about this week. Yeah. But until then, Doug, I think this has been a great starting point, and I look forward to the conversations we're going to have. I do too, Adam. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name, or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee, for my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, Mother of Perpetual Help. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. 
We are happy to be talking with Steve Priest and Aaron Falbo from Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. You've heard us talk about them throughout the uh, last couple weeks here on the show. I had the good fortune of meeting both Steve and Aaron at the Seek First event here in St. Louis a few weeks ago, where Father Mike Schmitz and Archbishop Rosansky gave some wonderful reflections for us. It's good to have you both with us today. Coming from Denver, is that where you're at? That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here. Yeah. Great to see you again. All right. Now, Steve, one of the things that uh, you spoke quite a bit about from the stage for the folks gathered in St. Louis, and really, I mean, we're going out to the whole region of Missouri, eastern Missouri, southern Illinois right now, is this Making Missionary Disciples track that is Mm -hmm. an integral part of the Focus Seat Conference, that it's not just for college students. It's for others, too. Uh, let's get back to basics here. It's been a while since we've talked yeah. about missionary discipleship. What is missionary discipleship, <laughs> and and who is a missionary disciple? Oh, man, Adam, I love this topic, and hello, Missouri and Illinois. It's great to be with you all today. What a great question that is, because that is getting back to the basics. So before we even talk about coming to a conference to grow in missionary discipleship, we have to understand what missionary discipleship is. And the first aspect of that is recognizing who we are in Christ. And by our baptism, we are missionaries. We have been sent out to share the gospel. And that is confirmed in our confirmation, right? The completion of that baptism, where we are then again sent out and given the grace to go out and be missionaries to proclaim the gospel Mm -hmm. of Christ to all corners of the world. Now, missionary discipleship is a combination of two things. One, making sure that we have a foundation of our own personal discipleship being rooted in Christ, that every aspect of our life is identified in and through Christ. And we're really living our life through that relationship. And then the missionary aspect is, what are we doing with that? Are are we sitting and being kind of a stagnant uh, pond? Um, or are we becoming this raging river flowing, you know, grace and, and God's mercy back out to the world because of that foundational relationship with Christ? And we're called to both, Adam. And, and that's What's exciting about this seat conference is it's kind of a new aspect, this missionary discipleship. And Pope Francis talked about it a little bit. And, and even his very first encyclical, uh, he talks about it and how we are called to not only live in Christ, but to go out and to proclaim Christ to the world as Catholics, as Christians. We are called to be missionary disciples. And that's what Seek is going to help everyone with, is how to live in Christ and then how to share Christ. And we get down to really the practicals of that. So not only the overview and the the basic understanding of it, Adam, but also how do we tangibly do this Mm -hmm. in our parish, in our families, and in our workplaces? Mm -hmm. It makes me think of a parish not too far from where I grew up. Um, You know, when it used to be when we think of missionaries, we think of people going overseas to a specific place where maybe the church isn't established yet, and they're going to go evangelize or preach to the people there. But the parish not too far from where I grew up, as you exited the parking lot on the back side of the sign, you know, the front side said Queen of All Saints, the back side said, you are now entering the mission field. And how true that is. I mean, Aaron, you encounter that every day with the work you do, sending young adults out to the mission field. What what are some things we can do in our daily life to help us just continue to grow in that relationship, as Steve said, and and to be rooted in Christ so that when we go out, whether it's to the office or or to school or to wherever we're going, we can Mm -hmm. bring 
bring our Lord with us. Yeah. It's sometimes an intimidating question, right? And I think that's where people kind of sometimes get stumped. It's like, oh my gosh, how do I do this big task? Like this big thing that Pope Francis or the church is asking me to enter into, they're inviting me to missionary discipleship, maybe even a new way of life and uh, a courageous way of life. Um, And I think that what I talk about with not only college students, but young adults, I mean, my parents, like my, I mean, parishioners from where I grew up, it's not as, as, crazy or, you know, huge and intimidating as we may want to think it is. Um, and I think where you start with that, and I think I love what you said, Steve, um, it's really rooted in our foundationally in our relationship with Christ. And that means making time for that relationship. That's where it has to start. Missionary discipleship just won't work if divine intimacy is not a part of my life and it is not a priority in my life. So if I'm, if I'm just going in and out throughout my day and Christ isn't a part of it, or I mean, isn't the main focus, I'm going to get really lost in that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with, with as much buzz as going, I mean, we're all, we're all very busy in our day-to-day life. And so I think just the making that the center has to be the first thing. Absolutely has to be the first thing. Um, another thing that I've uh, practically found very helpful for this way of missionary discipleship is a- allowing it to flow from your prayer life making that time and space and that that intimate relationship of conversation with the Lord, but not just allowing it to stay there, but then entering into spiritual conversation with the people that I'm, that I'm around on a frequent basis. That may be my workplace, but I think that really starts even in the home and the family. That's a great starting point. Are we talking about this often? Are we having spiritual conversations at the dinner table? Uh, are we waking up in the morning and having conversations about the faith, um, about our life, about real things happening? like today in front of me. Again, it doesn't have to be super theological or super complex. Um, It can be really simple. Uh, How am I taking up the cross today? How is the Lord a part of my life today and the conversations that I'm having? Uh, What's hard today? What's great today? What's joyful today? What's a suffering today? How am I allowing the Lord into those moments? Um, I think that's so crucial in being able to then talk about it with anybody because we got to be relatable to that person uh, and we're living life right alongside with them. So I think those are two really practical things, right? The prayer part is super foundational and absolutely crucial, won't work without it. And then that that authenticity around spiritual conversation, those two uh, are great starting points, I think, for, for living it, it sounds like St. Ignatius just jumped into our conversation there because immediately I'm thinking of that midday <laughs> exam and, you know, one thing mm-hmm. I'm grateful for in the day, one area where I need to ask God to help me with with grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that's with the kids, with my parents, with my siblings, with my coworkers, with my car, you know, just the frustration <laughs> I have driving somewhere, you know. This isn't so much saying, all right, every sentence I'm going to say today is going to be about our Lord, but inviting him into, all right, as I get into the office, Mm -hmm. dear Lord, please be with me to do my work. Help me to accomplish your will in whatever I do in the office today. And just consciously taking those steps to to just offer it all to him like we do with our morning offering, such a beautiful prayer, to say, "This, this all belongs to you, Lord. So do with it what you will and help me to get out of your way and just to do your will. And I mean, that's really at the heart of this, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's much more. It's see, it's much more simple. Um, it's not quite as intimidating as we as we may make yeah. it out to be. Yeah. Um, and and our Lord is simple. He's humble. He's um, he knows who he's working with. We are all flawed. We are all imperfect. And he called the apostles, knowing those things, you know. And he calls us in the same fashion, uh, knowing our weaknesses, knowing the things that are hard for us, knowing the things that we're good at, the strengths that we're good, the gifts that we bring to the world. He knows everything. 
Um, and, and it's that trust that he wants to build with us so it can look at us in gaze of love and say, I believe in you and I want you to come with me. Will you come on an adventure with me? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the invitation. For the Lord every and day. Adam, if I can continue to build on this, because I think what Aaron just explained is a incredible example and explanation of discipleship and how we're living in the Lord. And then we start to think about evangelization and that's where we kind of start to get nervous mm-hmm. and scared and thinking, I'm not trained for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to reiterate that Everyone can and is called to be an evangelist. And you don't have to have a PhD or master's degree in theology or philosophy or church teaching to be able to do this. And the way I really start this, Adam, is I, so I love golf out here in Colorado. We have 300 days of sun a year and I get out on the golf course and with my neighbors, with my buddies, it just starts simple. Like, Hey, did you grow up with a faith life? We've never really talked about this before. What, what was your life growing up? And, and were you Christian? Were you a different, you know, religion? Mm-hmm. And if it comes down to that, they were actually Christian, then your future conversations can just be simple. Like, Hey, how's your day today? Where did you see God today? What was, you know, what were some of your struggles? What were some of your glories today? Mm-hmm. And so it can just start with simple spiritual conversations, yeah. as Aaron said, even with others as well. And that's, that's that kind of first step into this ocean of evangelization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like we're asking our listeners right now to go memorize the catechism and go yes. out and stand <laughs> on a street corner and uh, and just preach the catechism. But I think a big part of this it comes back to witness, as you were just alluding yes. to there, Steve. And, and I think to the gospel, and it, I love the healing miracles or, or the, the woman at the well, where the immediate response, even when our Lord says, don't tell anybody about this, <laughs> yes. the immediate response is to run and tell everybody, I met this guy named Jesus, and look what he did for me. And I mean, that could be at the core of it, too. You don't have to have the catechism memorized, but if you can look at your life and say, this is where God's working, and you know, maybe that friend says, oh, man, my, my husband just lost his job, or, or we just got a cancer diagnosis, or the kid got a suspension at school, and I, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck right now, and I don't know what to do, being able to identify like, hey, I've, I've been there in my way, and this is, this is how God worked. What's the power of testimony? Right. And do we know our story and and do we know how to share our story? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the woman at the well, her life was incredibly transformed. And what did she do? She ran back to her town and shared the story. She didn't know what it meant to live a life in Christ. She had no idea what that meant, but she just knew what happened and who she met. And she wanted to tell everyone about that experience. And Adam, we evangelize things all the time, mm-hmm. right? We evangelize restaurants we evangelize sport teams because we go to a a restaurant that we'd never been to before and it's amazing right the lasagna is incredible and it's got the perfect amount of sauce on top of it what do we do we go back to our friends and we say you've got to go to this restaurant it's incredible the lasagna is out of this world you're evangelizing lasagna folks (laughs) and so it's the same thing with christ like if we have that encounter if we know how christ has and is working in our life All we got to do is share that with people. All we got to do is share how he is in our life and who he is to us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's all it is. I mean, it it is not overly complex. Yeah. I love that question. Like what an examine for myself, for you, for me, Mm -hmm. for us, what are we evangelizing today? You know, because we are evangelizing something. something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, everybody's talking about the new thing, the new app, the new phone, the new, whatever, the gadget. Whatever the thing is, you talked about restaurants. I mean, it, it could be anything, fill in the blank. And so what a good examine for us to ask ourselves, 
you know, what is it that I'm, that I am evangelizing today to my family, Mm. to those in my workplace. Um, And, and, you know, I think we talk about the things we care about, right? We talk about the things we love. And that's what, I think that's what your point is. And so do we love those around us enough to share the most important love? And, and that's just a great thing to, I think, come back to every single day and doesn't require rocket science, but it's like, what can I do today? To what small thing can I do today to evangelize the right thing, the main thing, mm. who is Jesus Christ, you know, the person of Christ. And I love that one more thing about testimony that I was thinking about when you were talking, whenever the woman at the well went and shared her testimony, she was blown away by that experience. You see this happen multiple times throughout the gospels, but I think it's important to note too, like she was sharing who the, who she met. Mm-hmm it wasn't even focused all about her. Like, I mean, it was her experience, but what she was sharing with people was, I th- I met someone, I met a man who changed my life. Can I tell you about it? You know? And so you can just see how your testimony has such a powerful impact or an opportunity to impact because you're sharing the person that you just met. Who'd you just befriend? You know? So do we have that friendship with Jesus so that we can share with people what does that friendship look like for us? You know, so yeah. Just, well, I, I hate to say it, but we probably have some folks listening in the car this morning that they're at work, they're at school, they need to get out of the car and move on, but they've been hanging on every word we've been going here. So before we go to the break here, we here's the most important question. If our listeners are inspired, they want to join this missionary disciple track at the SEEK conference, where do they go to find out more and to sign up? Yeah, thanks, Adam. So this conference is coming up in January, January 2nd through the 6th. It's Monday through Friday, and it's for all ages. My 12-year-old son is going to be there, and he's going to love every bit of it. Um, my parents go every year. And so all ages are welcome. The disciple missionary discipleship track is a part of it. You can go to seek.focus.org to register, to see the speakers, to see the schedule, and to see what that missionary track looks like. All right, beautiful. Steve, thank you so much for being with us, as well as Aaron, um, Aaron Falbo, Steve Priest from Focus. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned for more. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Those of you who listen to the Daily Dose of Encouragement here on Covenant Network might know that we air it three times a day, beginning with that morning commute time. And today is one of those topics that I'm very excited about when Patty shared it with me because it's not just for the parents driving kids to school today, which are some of our listeners. But kids, this is for you as well. So Patty, what do we have in store? Well, we're going to talk about the parts of the mass. And I want to speak specifically all week to school-aged children. You might be in the car right now driving with your mom or your dad, coming home from school, going to school, or going off to activities. And and you may be in the car listening to this. And I want to talk to all of our school-aged students. Ways that we can have active, full participation at Mass. I know your parents want you to participate at Mass, but sometimes it's better when you hear it from somebody else. And St. Ignatius of Loyola taught us that we are to praise, reverence, and serve God in that order. So how we praise God matters. 
how we reverence God matters. So whether you're going to a Catholic school mass, maybe during the week if you go to Catholic school, or maybe just mass on Sunday with your family, here are a few reminders to help us praise God with our entire being. All right, the first one today, before you ever enter into church. First of all, I want to remind everyone to observe the fast one hour before receiving communion. Why do we do that? So that we will hunger for God. Secondly, to all of you students and grade school age students out there and and children out there, yes, I want to remind you, dress neatly and modestly for Mass. Think of Mass as attending a special event. You dress up for a special social occasion. And it is a social custom, but it does convey a message that the person for whom you are dressing up matters, is special. And also, you do act differently when you are dressed up. You don't realize it, but you do. So if you are coming from a ball game or a tournament, that's great. It's great that you're going to Mass. But it really doesn't take that much time or effort to change your clothes, either in the car or in the bathroom, before Mass. You're showing reverence and respect when you dress up for Mass. And I want to encourage you to do this on your own. Your parents should not have to nag you about it. It should come from yourself, from within your heart, as you mature and want to praise, reverence, and serve God. So on Sunday morning, be ready for Mass. Don't be the reason that your family is late for Mass. You're old enough to be ready. That's my first message for all the grade school-age kids that are out there, and it's going to be a fun week. Patty, these are wonderful words you shared with us. And uh, children, as you just heard from Patty, you don't have to take your parents' words for it. I'm going to echo everything Patty just said. I look forward to tomorrow. Just the other day, we were going straight from a soccer game to... um, can't remember if we were going from soccer to mass or from mass to soccer. I want to say it was the other way around. It was from mass to soccer. But then there was something else. We were going from point A to point B. And I said to my daughter, do we need to uh, find a bathroom so that you can change before we go in? And she said, I already changed it in the van while you were driving. And I said, you had your seatbelt on, right? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can do this, Dad. And uh, so I'm just going to say what Patty was just talking about. I, I learned it firsthand. Uh, my, my daughter said, I got it taken care of, Dad. You're resourceful, kids, and uh, put it to good work with your faith. We are almost out of time here on the show, so I just want to encourage you as you go throughout your week to have that plan to live your week in prayer. We've been talking about this uh, Focus C conference that's coming up, and I, I keep trying to make a good connection here as we've been working on some promo materials about the fact that our radios have a seek button on them. Now, you don't even need to hit yours right now because you have already found Catholic radio. You're right there. Uh, but we're trying to come up with that play on words. Why? Well, as you go throughout your day, sure, you could listen to music. And we have a little bit of that for you here. Uh, you could listen to political commentary. You could listen to all sorts of things. You could not listen. Or you could stay connected with Catholic Radio and grow in your faith. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's not just an academic exercise either. It's about growing in relationship, as we were talking about earlier. One of the ways that that is so helpful for me, uh, or so helpful to me, the Catholic Radio is helpful to me, is just having those times to stop and pray throughout the day. You know, at the top of the hour, 
just hearing that Ave Maria that plays. It's a good call to stop and pray, just like the church bells are. But maybe you don't hear church bells where you're at, but you've got the radio on and you hear that. It's a good reminder to stop and pray throughout the day. I mean, do you text message your friends throughout the day or do you call them? Do you, do you text message your spouse or your kids throughout the day? Just checking in, just checking in. Our Lord wants to check in with you and I throughout the day. Now, last uh, I looked, I haven't gotten a text message from God, but I've gotten some promptings of the heart. And a lot of those come in times of prayer, especially praying that daily rosary. We cannot do it without him. That is first and foremost. One of the questions we asked at the uh, pro-life event on Saturday was, how do we prepare to have conversations with those who are facing an unplanned pregnancy or something like that, that they're facing a difficult time in life? And every one of our panelists said, well, you start now with prayer. That is number one. You start praying for the grace to know what to say when the time comes. Because if we knew when the time was going to be that someone was going to ask us a question that's outside of our realm of expertise or comfort, we'd just make sure we have somebody ready. Like, hey, you know, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, somebody's going to ask me a really difficult question. So can you come hang out with me from like 9.50 to 10.15 just to be there? Because I'm not going to be able to answer that question. We'd line that up if we could, if we knew the time. But we have to get ready now. And it all starts in prayer. So take that time throughout the day. We're not talking about stopping for 20 minutes on the hour, every hour. We're talking about every hour on the hour, maybe just saying, thank you, Lord, for this next hour. Please give me the grace to do your will for the next hour. Help me to do your will for the next hour. Stop and pray that rosary at some point today. Stop and pray the chaplet of divine mercy at some point today. But pray, pray, pray throughout the day. Let's go right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. I want to thank Steve Priest and Aaron Falbo for being with us, as well as John Martinoni and Doug Berry for being back with us again. Tomorrow we're going to be talking with Father Kirby about Halloween costumes. What are you going to be? Who are you going to be? And is it going to be a saint? Well, tune in tomorrow for that one. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.